Welcome to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we're listening to La Fille du Régiment by Donizetti, the daughter of the regiment. Indeed, by that great bel canto composer, Gaetano Donizetti. Donizetti. And uh, we've got some great music here in the overture, so we're just going to have a listen and we'll come back in and launch into our story. How does that sound, Pat? I want to hear this entire overture. Let's do it. Thank you. 
If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's episode, we're listening to Donizetti's La Fille du Regiment, The Daughter of the Regiment. And that, Pat, was a rousing overture. That was a rousing overture. It was very inspiring and bouncy and, in fact, perhaps a little military in Marshall. Yes, it was. Mm. Mm, well, Daughter of the Regiment. Bien no sûr. surprise there. Bien sûr. Bien sûr. And uh, perhaps you've noticed Donizetti, mm-hmm. not a Frenchman. No, he's part of our Bellini. Rossini. Rossini, pepperoncini, <laughs> pepperoni. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, our, our, our threesome of right. great bel canto composers. Italian composers. One more time. Bellini, Rossini, and Donizetti. Good. So those are our bel canto composers, bel canto being the style of Italian opera. Beautiful singing. Beautiful singing that dominates the first half of the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And Which is the 1800s, not the 1900s. I finally figured that out. Good work. I know. I know. <laughs> Math, not my strong suit. Yes. So this particular opera debuts in Paris. So that makes sense with the French part. Mm-hmm. It debuts in Paris at the Opera Comique mm-hmm. in 1840. Okay. Donizetti had moved to Paris in 1838 and uh, from Naples, and he had enjoyed great success there. Donizetti had become quite popular in Paris, celebrated for him bringing Lucia de Lamotmore to Paris. Ah, and did... Okay, so he brought Lucia de Lamotmore, which was one of his... Operas. Yes, it's one of his greats to this day. Mm-hmm. Part of the regular, um, I mean, it's performed way, well more often than this particular opera is performed. Not a comic opera like this one is. But this one, although it, it premiered in this um, opera comique, it's, and it is a comic opera, the opera comique, we've talked about this before, it, what was standard at the opera comique was the fact that it intersperses spoken dialogue with songs. Okay. And that's very much in evidence with this particular opera. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about like recitative or recitative, yes. um, that is essentially that, right? Where you're taking... But it, but this does not have recitative. Ah. It, instead of recitative, it, it, it actually has spoken dialogue. Oh, I see. Because the recitative is more uh, sung, even though it's not... Right. It's just kind of like not an aria, but it's sung, and this is actually spoken. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think most most of the operas that we're familiar with use recitative, where it's it's a simple accompaniment that underlies the dialogue, as it were. But this is actual dialogue, no music at all underneath. Mm. And because there's no music at all underneath, when different opera companies will present this. They have the freedom, interestingly, to change the words. Oh, yeah, I suppose. And, and, and is there more acting? Is there more? Absolutely. Yeah, there's more drama on stage. Yes, and in fact, we'll get to this later because it, it's not important till the second act, but there is a particular role in this opera, which is very fun. It's a purely spoken role. The Duchess of Krakentorp, mm-hmm. and she, it's a purely spoken role, and they tend to put... Men. No, 
well, I'm not actually familiar with that. They tend to put... I was just guessing. No, uh, perhaps they have. I haven't read about that, but they tend to put well-known actresses or famous people, famous women in this role. Uh, because it doesn't require singing. Because you don't have to be an opera singer right. to do the role. So then they can bump up the ticket. Right. So here in the and- spring of... 2019, it's Kathleen Turner, Tony Award winner Kathleen Turner, who's oh. doing it at the Metropolitan. Interesting. B. Arthur in the past has performed the role. Oh, the Golden Okay, girl. and my favorite fun fact mm-hmm. for opening night in Washington, D.C., when they did it at the Kennedy Center, mm-hmm. just for one night only opening night, lifelong opera lover Ruth Bader Ginsburg, get Supreme out. Court Justice, played the role. Oh, I love RBG. Yeah, <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> so when was that? That was in the fall of 2016. Oh, wow. So after she became sort of a an icon. Yes. Yes. Excellent. It was one night only, though, only opening night. I wonder if there, there has to be audio of that. It would be interesting. YouTube. YouTube it. Right, right. Okay, well, so Kathleen Turner appears in the upcoming production or in, in the current production. I guess it might be in production at the moment at the Metropolitan Opera. And... This is the production with Pretty Yendi in the lead character, is it? Yes. Yes, okay. And we should also mention, I, I, I like to always mention, on today's episode of Opera for Everyone, we are listening to a production of La Fille du Regiment with uh, Joan Sutherland in the lead character of Marie and Luciano Pavarotti in the male tenor lead of Tonio. I could mention also, speaking of Pavarotti, mm-hmm. this is the role, the t- role of Tonio, which everyone says this is role of Tonio is the one that catapulted Luciano Pavarotti to the stratosphere of tenor stardom really? in the opera world. Because his aria in the first act famously has nine high C's. Wow. It's, it's, Impressive. A, bel, it's a bel canto aria. Of, well, I can't wait to hear that. Yes, well, you will. Okay, so what else do we need to know to set up uh, where are we going, Pat? You're in the driver's seat. <laughs> well, first of all, it's an opera, but it's a comic opera. And even in this comic opera, I am happy to report no one dies. Hooray! It's a happy opera. We have soldiers, but we have no bloodshed. Nice. Nobody jumps off a parapet. We have no battles. Nobody's poisoned. Nope. None of that. In fact, as bad as it gets is right here in the very opening, the villagers are afraid that the French army is going to attack. And so they've taken buckets and pots and pans and put them on their heads and they've grabbed their pitchforks and they're going to defend themselves. Mm. But before long, they get word that the French army has retreated and all is well. And that's about as dicey as it gets militarily. Good. Yeah, not bad, really. All right. So, I mean, that sounds funny, putting buckets on your heads and <laughs> it, it running around does, being afraid. It? So it's, it's really not too bad at all. <laughs> and, and then we see a very elegantly dressed woman and her, her steward, her, you know. Helper, lady-in-waiting. No, man. Oh. Her man helper. Her valet. Yes. Come in, and she announces that this is, uh, life is kind of difficult. She's going to need some help, that this is all too much for her. Mm. And let us meet her. This is the Marquise de Birkenfield. Le temps de guerre 
Funny. It even sounds. I mean, like it sounds oh, funny. Yeah, it's it. This is a, a fun and funny opera, absolutely. And I think the whoever stages it has a lot of fun with it, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing the 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 most recent Met staging. Me too. So that's the Marquise. So she she wanders into these villagers who are all prepared in their bucket heads in their bucket heads with their pitchforks and brooms to defend against the French army. And she's joins them in praying to the Virgin Mary that they're delivered from the French. These are, by the way, we're in the Tyrolean Alps. We're in right, the so Tyrol region. Sort of so these are the France. Austrians who, and I will give you a tiny bit of historical background, mm-hmm. but honestly, this is not a history-heavy opera. Okay. Like I said, no one dies. It's a romp. This is a romp. This is a a love story. It's a romp. And yet, because of the exquisite quality of the music and truly the quality of the libretto, there are sublime moments in the songs. Mm. So there's depth in this opera, but it's a romp with a lot of emotional depth when you get into some of these songs. Nice. We'll We'll see as we go along. I mean, this was light and fun and fluffy so far, but some of the... The emotions that are expressed as we go along, I, I, I found very moving. Well, 
personally, I, I don't know if you and I have ever discussed this, but I think comedy is sometimes the most, po it, it can be very powerful in terms of telling the truth about life. That's true. But I'm actually talking about, they aren't comic moments. The songs are not comedic when they are. I see. So they get to that depth of emotion. Yes. Okay, and so we're set in the Tyrolean countryside, so the northern part. So, so far, the, these are the Austrians who are patriots and don't really like being overrun by the French. And by the way, the French at this point are, we're in the, we're in 1800. So we're talking about the Napoleonic French. Right, okay. At this point. Yeah, and I don't know the, where these boundaries go. I know that Tyrol is in the, the Alps. It's in it. Oh, I mean, there's a little bit of Italy. Austria, there's Austria. And Italy. So, and you know what? But we're, we're just going to leave the history behind because it honestly does not matter to this okay, opera. So the Other than there's a, there's, there's a little bit of us and them going on, but it doesn't matter to Tonio, who is a Tyrolean, who, well, I won't spoil that particular tiny surprise coming up but it doesn't matter to the characters all that much so we're not going to let it matter to us okay. either so the marquise de birkenfield just sang this song pour une femme de mon nom for a woman of my name yes she she just she doesn't like the fact that that ever her world is being upset that the fact that she has to worry about these these french brigands upsetting her life and her mm -hmm. she's like all my people are wearing buckets what's up with this this <laughs> yes. is weird those aggressive brigands what are they thinking of how dare they 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 respect nothing tradition mm -hmm. because after all napoleon was an upstart wasn't he mm -hmm. he wasn't titled he wasn't no he was born in corsica i know and he wasn't born of noble mm -mm. lineage no so She's introduced herself quite well by song. I think we, we get a, you know, even if you didn't understand a, a word of what she said, you know who she is. Mm -hmm. So they more or less recede into the background and we see a rather comical looking sergeant appear. And he is the second male lead of the show and that's Sulpice. And Sulpice comes in and then we see Marie. Mm -hmm. And she is, in fact... La fille du régiment. Aha. Is that his daughter or? She is la fille du régiment. Ah, she is okay. the daughter of, of the, the regiment. regiment. Okay. Literally. I'm going to wait for an explanation on that. Well, it's coming fast. Okay. And she comes in, she enters with a huge pile of laundry, because if you are the only woman in the regiment, who's going to do all the laundry, of course? Probably you. That's Marie's job. In fact, what... She's identified as a vivandière, which I only realized when you go look up translation French to English, a vivandière, the translation is, in fact, vivandière. I'm going to guess that it has something to do with the way one lives. It's a canteen girl. It's huh. someone who provides food and beverage to soldiers. Ah, and, but, it, but the word, it's one of those words in French that gets used in other languages as well. Like croissant, les affaires. Right. Things like that. Mm -hmm. Although I wasn't familiar with it. But then again, I don't hang out in military circles too much. <laughs> right. So Marie. Marie, the vivandière, enters. She's also a laundress, it would seem. And she talks about how she loves her regiment. So she doesn't seem to mind this work that she's given. And she, in talking about how she loves her regiment, she begins to talk about how she 
is this daughter of the regiment. And for our benefit, it would seem, she explains what this all means. So should we listen? Yes. All right, if you've just tuned in, you are listening to The Daughter of the Regiment on Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And this is our introduction to Marie in this recording played by Dame Joan Sutherland. That was some bel canto right there. Indeed it was. That some was vocal gymnastics. Uh, that's bel canto. That um, so we met canto. Marie, but who was the who was the guy that was that was singing there before she began? That is Sulpice. Sulpice is the fellow in charge of the 21st Regiment. Aha. Of which she is the daughter. Mm-hmm. And he this is the song where it is explained. She is the daughter of the entire regiment. The pride and joy, the pearl of the 21st. And she explains how proud she is to be that daughter. And she says, this regiment is the only father I have ever had. Every single man in the regiment is her father. And she says, I have the heart of a soldier. When first I saw the light of day and the sound I love best is the roll of the trumpets. I would happily march into battle, she says. She's drinking the Kool-Aid. 
She's totally bought in. But that's the only life she's ever known. And Sulpice loves her. All the men love her. But so far, we've only seen Sulpice. We haven't seen the rest of the men. The entire male chorus, of course, is the regiment. And they sing a bit of a regimental song. My country and victory, that's my cry. My country and victory. By the way, we have, I mean, I can just back up a little bit here. Our two librettists are Frenchmen for right. this opera. Mm-hmm. This is it's in French. Donizetti, of already a highly successful Italian composer who's come to Paris to make a success of it there. He's quite happy to leave Naples at this point. He's had success in Naples, but Naples has a lot of censors. He's feeling a little confined by their restrictions and happy to move to Paris where there are not so many restrictions. Hmm. So he's been happy to go there and he wants to be successful. He's had success with Lucia de Lamour and he wants to have sparkling success with a French language opera. Mm-hmm. Most Italian composers, their operas are performed in Théâtre Italien. Sure. There's, a, there's literally an opera house for... Oh, in Paris for yeah, and Italian what, works. It's called the Italian Theater. Interesting. Okay. Yes. And that's fine. And he certainly had operas performed there of his, but he wants to. He wants, he to, wants to be a crossover artist. He wants to conquer it in French. So he has these two French librettists. I mean, I'll just let you go ahead and read those names because they're a French mouthful. Ah, Jules Henri Vernoy de Saint Georges. That's one name. Jules Henri Vernoy de Saint Georges, and, and Jean Francois Bayard. Oui. This is an incredibly patriotic opera. In fact, it's so patriotic that for many, many years, this opera, as a matter of course, was performed in Paris on Bastille Day. Oh, interesting. And many opera singers have taken liberties of adding in, at the end with the patriotic song that it does end on, they add in bits of La Marseillaise. Ah. which is not part of what Donizetti had, but they, they sprinkle it in as well. Well, but in the bel canto tradition, I suppose, improvisation exactly. is embraced. There we go. That is part of the... Interesting. Yes, so it's an incredibly patriotic, because remember, we open on the Tyrolians who are afraid of the French, mm-hmm. but this entire regiment is a French regiment. Okay, and so... And they are celebrated, and she is incredibly proud of being associated with this French army. And the Tyrolean, the, the t- young Tyrolean man, I mean, dare we say it, the, the love interest is cross-cultural here. Mm-hmm. It's the Frenchman, and, or the French woman, and the Tyrolean young man are, the, are our two lovers in the, uh, in the comic opera here. It's very, very, it's exceedingly patriotic. So they were setting themselves up for some success and with the so French public. was the selection of these particular librettists Certainly, it was a it was a calculated choice on Donizetti's part to to use French librettists. I, I, I don't. I didn't do enough research to tell you the background to that whole thing. I'm just making the assumption that it all all the pieces line up mm-hmm. for that explanation. That was part of his strategy. It seems to me that way. Okay, and so you just made reference to the young Tyrolean love interest. Are we gonna? meet him anytime soon or are we going to continue on with the regiment well we're going to need to meet the regiment next okay so 
Basically, we're going to find out that she was raised by the regiment because she was found on the battlefield, an abandoned baby. Huh. She was a little baby girl found on the battlefield. And they just scooped her up and adopted her as their own. Exactly. She had no parents. She was an orphan on the battlefield. Well, that was kind of them. And that's why she's a daughter of the regiment. Interesting. And they have raised her and taken care of her ever since. And that's why every man in the regiment... Is her father. Is her father. It's very sweet in a way. It is. Yes. But she's a young woman now. So uh, shall we meet the soldiers of the regiment? Yes, of course. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's episode, we are listening to La Fille du Regiment by Donizetti, the daughter of the regiment. And we have just met the regiment. Indeed. And you may not have realized it, but you also met Tonio. Did you hear a tenor? Yes, you did. <laughs> You're like, you heard a tenor. You did hear a tenor. I don't know. I, I didn't. You heard Marie. You heard uh, the male chorus, uh-huh. the soldiers. and You, you love a good tenor. chorus, Pat. I do. You love a good male chorus. I do. I do. There they were. So, yeah, that was the chorus coming in. And first they chide, or first Sulbis chides Marie that she's been out picking flowers and talking to... The locals. The locals, and one local in particular. Mm, she was loitering about. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, hey. And he's a little upset with her, and she says, okay, I won't do it anymore. Exactly. Exactly, I won't do it anymore. <laughs> pout, pout. <sighs> pout, pout. And just as she's pouting, and the 
the whole regiment marches in. By the way, they're just all a big mass, the whole sure. clump of them. Of course, right on cue, Tonio appears, mm-hmm. and he wants to see the pretty young lady again. So he just shows up at the regiment, and he's like, hey, is she here? Yeah, basically. Really? all. Yeah, he's he's just a boy. Right. Right? He's, he's young. He's smitten, and... I mean, I say the pretty young girl. Of course, she's not. She's a bit of a tomboy, right? She's been raised by a bunch of soldiers. Right. <laughs> so it's, I mean, different directors will choose to, and costume designers will choose to depict her in different ways. Mm-hmm. But she has been raised by a group of soldiers. Right. It's not like she's got perfumed hair and rouge on her cheeks and wearing the latest right. fashion. She's been doing the laundry all day right. and all this. But he shows up and he's, he's smitten. But he's a local man, and he shows up. He's kind of the enemy. He's kind of the enemy. Not surprisingly, the regiment says he's a spy, and they're pretty angry to see him. Things might get tense. And then what happens? Well, she says, no, don't hurt him. He saved my life. Oh, the plot thickens. Yes, and she explains how when she was picking flowers, she wasn't paying very close attention she was about to fall off a cliff. Uh, oh. Which can happen in the Alps. Okay, yeah, you get cliffed out. <laughs> Gotta pay attention. <laughs> and he saved her life. And they went, well, I guess he's not such a bad fellow after all if he saved her life. Mm-hmm. So they decide to let him live. Okay. And then they're like, let's get him some yeah. snacks or something. Or- <laughs> and he's, he's like, I really like her. Can I marry her? And they're like, oh, ma, that's not possible. She's been promised. She's got to marry somebody who's part of our regiment. Sorry. One dude. of her one of her brothers? One of her fathers. Yeah, yeah one of her fathers. <laughs> she's got to marry a man who's part of the regiment. Well, that seems reasonable. Seems reasonable, right? She, well, I mean, she can't marry one of the enemy. He's well, part no, of the enemy. They can't. I mean, who would do the laundry if she married him? Well, they don't. They don't say that. But Tonio, he's a amiable fellow, and he comes up with a solution to this, of course. He'll do the laundry? Well, if she can only marry someone in the regiment. Oh, he'll join the regiment. Uh, you're on it, Keely. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm pretty sharp. You are. And he toasts to France and his newfound friends. I'll be darned. To France, to France. I mean, there's a little unease he's got, but he gets over it pretty quickly every time, particularly she smiles at him. Mm -hmm. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. And then Marie sings a little bit of the regimental song, which gets everyone happy and feeling patriotic. Patriotic and all revved up. Yeah. So are we going to listen to that? A little bit. Let's do that. All right. And which, uh, what song is this, Pat? La la la, chacun le sait, chacun le dit. Chacun le sait, chacun le yes. Everyone knows, everyone says. Thank you. 
You're listening to Opera for Everyone, and you've just heard from our lead character in The Daughter of the Regiment, Marie, in this production played by Dame Joan Sutherland. And that was some great singing and also yes. some rousing, almost kind of drinking music kind of sounding. Well, that was the regimental song. Yeah. So, And you heard that drum roll at the end? Yes. What was the drum roll? Well, that's the, uh, the call to action for the soldiers. The call to arms. When you get a call to action and you're a soldier... You must spring into action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get suited and booted and ready to fight. Well, they're suited and booted, you know, because it looks snappy on the stage already. Right. Okay. <laughs> so they all sing about how they they must heed the call. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, you go, boys, you go do what you need to do. I'll I'll take care of the prisoner. And they're like, uh-uh. No, no. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'll take care of the prisoner. They're like, ah, uh, no, Marie. Not not happening. So they, they leave, and they take Tonio with them. I suppose if he's going to join the regiment, he's got to learn how to be a soldier. Well, they're not convinced about him joining the regiment yet, but they take him and hold your breath, count to five. He tiptoes back on stage with her. She's alone on stage. He's like, I snuck away. I told them I was following them, but I snuck back to see you, Marie. And at this point, she's just so smitten. In those few seconds alone on stage, she's like, oh... He risked his life to come see me. She's just more in love than ever. Mm-hmm. But there, there are these two kids who are just feeling their way through these little heartstrings of love. Oh. <laughs> They're so cute. They're so cute. And she explains how that guy there is her father. And oh, by the way, that guy's her father. And that, and he's completely confused. How can all these men? her father yeah it'd be confusing so she explains sort of kind of he's still confused but love makes a guy confused anyway so before long in their conversation he blurts out that he loves her and that's a moment for a song isn't it oh yeah well yes of course yes and she says what you love me quoi vous m'aimez Yes. And she says this, he serenades her a bit, and there's this beautiful duet that they transition into. So let's listen to that bit of singing. (laughs) 
So what were they saying in that beautiful bel canto love duet, Pat? You could probably imagine what they were saying. I love you. Yeah, I love you too. You're so cute. Yeah, you're so cute too. Well, with a few details from their personal story, Tonio says, I would have died because I love you. I would rather than lose you. I would rather die. You must know, Marie, I love you. You love me. Listen and judge for yourself ever since the moment when you fell and I caught you all trembling in my arms. <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm. Your image has haunted me night and day. And she says, yes, and I love you too. You know well, what? didn't this like just happen yesterday or the day before something, something like, like that. that yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> they're young they're young this is this is you know they fell and they fell hard yep the antonio says the beautiful land where i grew up and the friends i cherished ah for you i would give them all up easily hmm he says this because he loves her so much young love young love and Marie says, when you love someone, sir, you should look after yourself for their sake. Don't you agree? Well, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. Like take your vitamins, do your <laughs> exercises, don't drink too much. <laughs> exactly. Take good care of yourself. Antonio says such tender declarations. They go on. And it wasn't the duet that they sang together. It was gorgeous. Beautiful. So they're just having the most wonderful time him having snuck back as you'll recall Mm -hmm. and after all of these tender wonderful moments together you know it's got to happen he's gonna get caught of course so Supis storms back in and he's like ah the Tyrolean there he is (laughs) oh no (laughs) this boy what am I gonna do with him and Marie tries to intercede and says, Oh, Papa, leave him alone. He loves me. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. And just as that's about to get uncomfortable, in comes the comedy duo of La Marquise and her steward. And she's like, um, Captain, Captain. And because he's not even a captain in charge of the regiment, he's quite flattered that this noblewoman from Tyrol is addressing him with respect. And he's like, oh, madam, how can I help you? And she explains that she's terrified of going through the countryside with all these French officers. And would he do her the kindness of escorting her to her chateau? Oh, and he's like, well... Well, madam, um, I said, what, what can I do to help you? And where's your chateau? And she explains that it's the Chateau de Birkenfield, because that's her name. She is, after all, the Marquise de Birkenfield. He says, Birkenfield? Birkenfield? I, I know that name, Birkenfield. That was, that was the name on the papers with Marie when she was found as an infant on the battlefield. Oh, really? Yes. Is this a bit of foreshadowing regarding Marie's origin well, story? The name was Captain Robert Birkenfield, was her father. Oh. So Peace asks her, Did you know Captain Robert Birkenfield? And she blurts out intimately. And then she catches herself. Well, what I mean to say is, my sister, my sister uh, knew him, was married to him. 
Uh, oh! And they put all the pieces together. Turns out, she explains, the foundling was her niece. Oh! Both the parents were killed, and the child was being transported to her. Oh. And the person entrusted with transporting her, the child to her, right, was killed because it was a battle of the period some kind. of yeah conflict, and the person who was transporting her was killed, and there was this letter there explaining the situation, and the the child never made it to her. Wow. Yeah. Oh well, I mean that's kind of happy, I guess. Then sort of, isn't it? Well. It's a little distressing for Marie when she hears the news, sort of, kind of. Right. She says, ah, ma tante. She's respectful but wary because suddenly her whole familiar world is being turned upside down. She's being told she has to go with this haughty, somewhat comical woman and leave the only home she's ever known after Mm -hmm. she's spent all this time telling us how she loves the army, how she loves all her fathers. How she loves doing all the things she does with the regiment. Interesting. Well, and then also she's just fallen in love. And she's just fallen in love with this young man who's agreed to join the army. To be with her. Yes. Well, so as we wrap up the first hour of yes. today's episode, what what else do we need to know? Well, we need to know that Marie is a little uneasy at the fact that the Marquis lets her know right away that she's uncomfortable with her uncouth behavior. She lets Marie know that she's going to have to put on a little polish, basically. Right. A little charm school is going to be necessary for her in her new world. And Marie says, okay, but before we go, I want you to meet my fathers. And she introduces the entire regiment. Mm -hmm. And here they are. Listening to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for a mainstream audience. It airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89.1 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station. Opera for Everyone is hosted by me, Keely Heron, and me, Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode.
Welcome back to the second half of today's episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we are listening to La Fille du Regiment by Donizetti, the daughter of the regiment. I'd like to take just a few minutes to talk about Gaetano Donizetti because I think we should. <laughs> I'm so glad <laughs> because we spoke a little bit about bel canto opera. He mm-hmm. is one of our three great Rossini. Bellini and Donizetti. Well done. He's one of our three great bel canto composers, mm-hmm. all three of them Italian. Mm-hmm. This is during the period of time. This is composed during the period of time when he lives in Paris. Mm-hmm. It premieres in Paris in French, and it is most commonly performed in French. There is an Italian version of it. Oh. It was reworked to debut at La Scala in Italian. Uh-huh. And we spoke in the beginning about its premiere at the Opera Comique, mm-hmm. which meant that it alternated between the song parts and the recitative. And the di- no, they're, they're not, not recitative, dialogue. Yeah, the dialogue part, the spoken part. Mm-hmm. But then it was transformed into the Italian mode. Ah. So it was recitative or recitative recitative uh-huh. in the Italian style for La Scala so more singing yes yeah, so there's so there's it's musically presented the, mm-hmm. the dialogue interesting yeah because the Italian style of opera is different from the French style of opera fewer ballets also indeed <laughs> indeed interesting too Donizetti was having a moment in Paris in fact it really kind of annoyed the famous French composer, who was a contemporary, Berlioz. At about this time that it's premiering, there were, well, shortly after, there were about seven different theaters which were either in rehearsal or in performance of Donizetti operas. So that Berlioz kind of not kindly said, well, one can no longer speak of the opera houses of Paris, but only of the opera houses of Monsieur Donizetti. Oh. Yeah, he wasn't very happy about that. He got a little, little Italian invasion. Got a little twisted up on that. <laughs> yeah, he was not very happy happy about it at all. And, and another fun fact about Donizetti, between 1838 and 1848, during that 10-year period of time mm-hmm. in Italy, one quarter of all the operas performed in Italy were Donizetti operas. Oh, wow. So he was really dominating the scene. He was. Big deal. Huh. Not not bad for for a guy who only lived from, well, he only lived about 50 years. He lived from uh, 1797 to 1848. Mm-hmm. And when we think of operas, my understanding of opera has evolved immensely since we started doing this program. But when we think of operas, we don't like... Donizetti isn't a household name necessarily. He didn't write that many operas. Well, he he did write a lot, but but you're correct. The, the I mean, I not mean, like Verdi or he's Mozart not Verdi. Or, he's not Mozart. He's not Puccini. Right. But, Wagner. But who is? <laughs> right. Yeah. Who is Wagner? Really? <laughs> no. I, I I sort of pulled the names of operas that well we've done uh, L'Elysée de l'Amour, mm-hmm. the Elixir of Love. Mm-hmm. We've only done that and Roberto Devereux on Opera for Everyone. So far, so the the three the three operas which comprise the Tudor Queens one. So we'll we'll have to get to Anna Bolena and Mary Stuart. Those those three oh, operas. Right. Oh right, because Roberto Devereux was is the one third of those. Because oh, that's yes, the one that focuses on now. Elizabeth the First. Right. 
So he's got those three. Very international, this fellow, right? Those yeah. are all set on the English monarchy. Mm-hmm. He does uh, one on Lucretia Borgia. Lucia really? de Lammermoor, of course, is Scottish. He right. has this one, French, Fido Hegemont, and Don Pasquale. Hmm. So he was very sort of curious about other cultures and mm-hmm. telling those stories. Interesting. Those are the ones that seemed big and too familiar to me. And I think ar- arguably Lucia de Lammermoor is... His biggest. I'm going to guess that's the most frequently performed. Well, I, I, I had it. never... I mean, I... I hadn't ever heard of the Daughter of the Regiment before we started this program. Oh, I had. I think I saw it at City Opera many years ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I mean, arguably, Pat, you are a little bit more. Uh, you know a little bit more about opera <laughs> than I do. But, but I had heard of Lu- Lu- Lucia de Lemamor. Yeah. Yes, has the most famous mad scene of all. Is that right? Yes. I don't remember that. Well, I mean, we're gonna have to get around to that one. Yeah. Yeah. That that one premiered uh, five years prior to this. 1835. But the only other thing to note about La Fille de Regiment is it wasn't wildly popular in its very first run. I think I think it was 16 performances. Not bad, but not crazy popular because there was a little bit of chauvinism in spite of all the patriotism, the French librettists and the, the rousing patriotic song at the end. It didn't take long for it to to gain in popularity and and there were more and more performances even during its first year and by 1914 in France alone there had been 1000 performances of this opera oh wow so it it became very popular and the the honest truth of it is it, the music is exquisite so even though it's it's rather a, a frothy piece of thin plot it's a bel canto opera it's a comic opera that's not why you're watching it you're not watching it for the music is exquisite yeah. mm-hmm. And as I said before, the, the, the pieces where the emotion is supposed to be tender and thoughtful, it comes through. It achieves its goal. Mm-hmm. All right, enough of all that. It's time for You Know What. <laughs> well. The Opera Helmet Quiz, Keely. The Opera Helmet Quiz, luckily, as you said, there's not a ton of plot here. Right. This is, this is the Opera Helmet Quiz where you recap the plot for us. Yes. So far. So this is an opera written in French by Italian composer Gaetano Donizetti. It is set in the 1800s, 1840s. It premieres 1840. It's set approximately 1800. Okay. During the Napoleonic Wars. Okay, during the Napoleonic Wars, it is set in the Tyrolean Alps, and we open on a group of villagers who are in a state of panic because they think that they are going to be attacked by the French military. And so they are going about the village, gathering things to be used as weapons and protection, like buckets and brooms and shovels. And the Marquise de Birkenfield, who is the nobility in the region, she comes in and she's like, this is horrible that these French military people are coming in and upsetting me and my people. And she's kind of dramatic and sort of eccentric and funny and weird. And and then we meet the regiment and we meet Marie, who is the daughter of the regiment. And we find out that she loves all of these guys in the regiment because she was found on a battlefield, I guess, as an orphaned baby. And they took her in and they adopted her and they raised her and now she's a young woman. And she is their laundress and 
cook and just generally kind of mascot, like everybody loves her. And then she's out picking flowers one day or something in the countryside and she comes back and she's all a flutter because she has met a handsome young villager and shortly after her return to the regiment from meeting this boy in this encounter he shows up and at first all of the guys in the regiment are not happy about this because he's essentially the enemy you know they're French military and she says no you have to be kind to him because he saved my life and then we find out that she almost fell off a cliff um, and he saved her and now they're in love and they're like okay well guess that's okay and she says I love him and he says I want to marry her and they say you can't marry her she has to marry someone in the regiment and so he says okay well then I'll be part of the regiment and so then they're exploring that so they're like okay well we're gonna see if you can be a soldier and so they go off to do soldierly things but then he sneaks away to come back and tell her how much he loves her and the leader of the regiment comes back and says like hey kid you know what the heck are you doing here and he says oh I love her and da 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 but then the marquise comes in at just the right moment with just the right comedic <laughs> timing and says you know monsieur I'm nervous about traveling around with all of these military people in my land and I'm, I'm coming to see if you could escort me and and so this guy that she addresses as like sergeant or captain or whatever and he's just like a not a sergeant or a captain is flattered by this and so he kind of runs off and then the two lovebirds sing this big love duet about how much they love each other and he tells her about his homeland and she talks about how she's been raised by this regiment and then we learn that oh no 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 did i get the order of that mixed up yes we but learned, that's okay okay so <laughs> so the so so they say we love you i love you i love you too then the marquise comes in and then we learn that marie marie is actually the aunt of the marquise and the niece. The niece, the niece, that the Marquise is Marie's aunt. And Marie is the niece of the Marquise because while the baby was being transported from some other region where her parents had been killed, so it was the, the Marquise's sister, I guess, who was the mother of this baby. She and her husband had been killed in some kind of regional battle. And, and someone had been hired to transport the baby back to the Marquise and in that process was killed in some other battle and that was when this regiment found the baby on the battlefield. And so this is distressing for Marie because she's gonna have to be lady of nobility now and up until this point in her life she's just been kind of the daughter of the regiment and she washes clothes and cooks and hangs out with a bunch of guys all the time now she's gonna have to like wear dresses and fancy shoes and put on makeup and stuff <laughs> yes. and also she's upset because she's just fallen in love with tonio and now what's gonna happen exactly and she introduces all of her fathers that's the right Marquise. so and that's where we left off at the end of the first hour that's right now tonio enters Antonio is so excited because he's going to be a soldier. Oh, gosh. And this is the song I warned you about. Oh, yes. The one that launched Luciano Pavarotti into the stratosphere because it has nine high seas. That's right. (laughs) 
Yeah, wow is right. You don't want to have a cold and then have to sing that song. No, you For don't. For sure not. No, that is that is a, a, a tenor challenge, I think. Yeah, I can see where that would be a, a career maker. It's absolutely crazy. It's spectacular. So what, what was he talking about in that song? He's so excited. He's a soldier now. He's so excited. That's really, I'm, I'm one of you boys. I'm one of you, and I'm going to get to marry my love. It's, life's exciting. Okay. So fun. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's really what it is. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> and he finishes all this on that big high note. Yes. And Soupy says, um, Tonio, I've got some news for you, old boy. <laughs> Turns out Mary has to leave us. Mm. She's got to go off with the Marquise to Birkenfield and mm-hmm. become a lady. Mm-hmm. Bad news for you. Yeah, especially since you just signed up to be a soldier so that you could marry her, and now she's going to go be a lady. And you're on the opposing side. P.S. Yeah. Oops. So Tonio will sing a song about I'm a soldier now. Mm-hmm. But let's hear just a little bit of the song that Marie sings to end Act One. And this is one of those songs that I'm referring to when I say the emotion really comes through. She sings a song called Il Faut Partir. She's got to go. 
That's so sad. Everybody is so sad. I feel like Donizetti might be one of my favorite, new favorites. That was so emotional. He can, see, this is what I meant. It, this is this comic piece, but yeah, when he wants to suck in the gut, he really can. Yeah. So she was saying, you know, I must go, I must go. And her, there was so much sadness in her voice. And then at the end there, there were some other The soldiers voices. come in and he said, but when we fought in the war, this child was at her side fighting in the battles. She's our guardian angel. What are we, what are we going to do? And, and pretty soon we're going to have Tonio come in and say, oh, I have no future now. The two of them are going to sing. Our hopes are dead. Everyone is going to realize how sad they are. There's going to be this enormous finish to act one. Everyone lamenting. They're going to say, all of our hopes are dead. Suplice is going to be utterly forlorn. Yeah, beside himself. Essentially, his daughter is leaving. Mm -hmm. They're going to be angry at the Marquise. But it's not going to come off as, it's just going to be so sad. Yeah, But we will get a lot of volume at the end with everyone's voices throwing in. So are you ready for the big finish of, of sadness? Yes. Because... We do have Act Two coming along. Right, let's, let's... And it is, let's just bear in mind, it's a comedy. It's a comic opera. And you know how comedies will end. Happy. Typically. Love. In marriage. So hang in there, but let's have a big finish to Act One.
you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and on today's episode, we are listening to The Daughter of the Regiment by Donizetti, and we have just concluded Act One. Big finish, huh? Yeah. So yeah. that was all about... That was know, all about... Tonio's a soldier, and he's all excited, and... They're all annoyed with the Marques for taking her away. And she has to leave, and... She's going to do it because she is an obedient young woman. Yeah. And she's saying goodbye. And that's that. In true Belcanto style. She does it in a big way. Yeah, big finish. Mm-hmm. Okay, so act one and scene. Mm-hmm. Now we go to act two. Let's just hear a little snippet of the entracte because, after all, it's a French opera. So that has a very different feel from where we ended Act One. Well, of course it does, because we're no longer in an army encampment. Where are we, Pat? Well, we're in the palace of the Marquise de Birkenfield. We're oh. in the Chateau de Birkenfield. Oh, so we're in a drawing room or... Exactly. Something light and airy and pleasant. Well, and in different productions, it... The director will choose to do different things during this entracte. The um, the current production at the Met has uh, the the maids dusting in a in a sort of a warm up ballet fashion. Oh, I watched a an online version of La Scala doing where they had sort of a dancing lesson taking place. Oh, so they can you know, they can choose to do different things with this, just as they have freedom to change around. The spoke we talked about this before. The spoken, right. the dialogue part, because it's not accompanied with uh, music, they mm-hmm. can change the dialogue. And I'm I haven't a hundred percent figured this out because librettos are not identical to hard and fast scripts. Arias, yeah. Both versions that I that I have seen, which were the the streaming of the Met version and the La Scala version, actually have the the La Duchesse du Krakenthorpe show mm-hmm. up at this point. But in the libretto slash script that I'm, I have read, two of them that I've read, she doesn't show up at this point. So, oh. But essentially, when she does show up, she's there to speak to the Marquez because it is her nephew who is arranging, she is arranging for her nephew a marriage to Marie. Oh, I see. And she... Wow, she moves quickly. Well, it's a couple of months later. Oh, okay. But yes, she does move quickly. The Marquez you're talking about. Well, yeah, the the whole like, oh, here's a eligible young lady. Let's do something with that. Well, it's going to become clear why this is so important to the Marquez to marry off Marie. Hang in. Okay. It all will be explained. But the important things to know, the important thing to know is La Duchesse, the Duchess, mm-hmm. is the highest. Higher status. Considerably higher status. Than the Marquis. She is the, the top ranking 
aristocracy of the area, the mm-hmm. top ranking in terms of this show. And she behaves that way. She, haughty. Very haughty. Entitled. Extremely. And just carry on with those adjectives. And that's exactly what she is. Mm. So the notary is going... Sounds lovely. <laughs> Maybe not so much. The notary shows up because that's how... They're marriage contracts. And so if you're going to have a contract, one must have a notary. And that's how marriages are concluded. You have a notary. In fact, there is even discussion of the fact that you never see this young man. You never see the bridegroom. Oh. And we don't even know if he is a young man. We assume he's a young man. There's always some excuse given at some point in the show as to why he's not there. And the, the excuses can vary. He's performing in an opera he's got some athletic engagement he's got some he political has, he has bone spurs <laughs> i haven't heard that he one couldn't, he couldn't make it because he had bone spurs <laughs> there's some there's something that's keeping him but la duchesse the duchess of krakenthorp um says that she can take care of the uh, the contract without him the marriage will still be legal and she's just concerned that the bride shows up and signs for on her behalf Mm-hmm. So she she scurries away. She brings a notary with her. The notary is obsequious, you know, attending her. Right. He's a toady. Exactly. And we're left with the Marquise on stage. And we, in pretty short order, see her speaking with Suplice. Suplice ah. doesn't appear to be convalescing. But the backstory is that at some point he was wounded and he's convalescing at her home. Fine. But really, really, he's there because, of course, he has a very good relationship with Marie. And La Marquise wants him to convince Marie. To marry. Exactly. Because it's good for her. Because she'd be marrying into a great deal of money. Right. And can I ask the obvious question at this point? Is Tonio still alive? Oh, yes, because it's a comedic opera. I so, told you up front, yeah, no yeah, one yeah, dies. Yeah, okay, okay. Not okay. even yeah, off stage. Pat, you know I have a bad memory. <laughs> I get distracted easily. <laughs> and I told you it ends happily. It ends happily. Okay, so Tonio is presumably not injured. He's, he's off stage at the moment. Just yeah, live with he's that. He's off stage. Okay. Copy that. <laughs> moving, moving along. So La Marquise says to Suplice, I, I need your help. Please tell her that she needs to go ahead and play along. She needs to sign this. She needs to put a smile on her face right? and carry on. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, we need to smooth off some of these rough edges. Living in an army camp her whole life didn't put a lot of polish on her. Right. We need to uh, do a little charm school, a little dancing lesson, a little singing lesson. Ah, time for a little singing lesson. Oh, Thank you. 
If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and we are listening to Donizetti's La Fille du Regiment, The Daughter of the Regiment. And we've just heard the title character, Marie, having a singing lesson so that she can be a fancy lady. Yes. And that was her trying to sing the fancy song that her aunt wants her to sing. And Sulpice, trying to appear to assist but I don't know if you heard him throwing in the rataplan, yeah, rataplan. The military kind right? of sounding stuff. And that's when they got kind of excited and yeah. happy about singing. So he's he's really, <laughs> he's not really helping the ants cause. He's He really is just Marie's friend. He's, he's kind of stirring the pot a little. He likes Marie. He wants Marie happy. Everybody needs a friend like Sulpice. Sulpice really wants Marie happy, but the aunt is trying to convince Sulpice 
seriously, so please, what future does she have in the army? Mm. She's got no future there. She's going to be a lot better off with a rich husband. So he's he's not really sure how to think of this, but he he does know that she loves Tonio, but he's poor. So he's but he's, he's a, a really heart. good singer. Oh my goodness, can he sing? And he's nice looking too, and he loves her. So it's it's a tough situation. And just as they're thinking of the military, who should appear? Tonio. Tonio. Oh. And he's wearing officer stripes at this point. Oh, and I bet he looks very dashing. He has been brave and he has been promoted. Short order, that. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of months. Mm-hmm. He's, he's done climbing the ranks. Climbing the ranks. He's done very well. The three of them are thrilled to see each other. And they sing a snappy little ditty about the three of them being reunited. Tous les trois réunis. So they're all happy to be together. They're happy reunited and it feels so good. Yes. 
Who should walk in then? The Marquise. Of course. She is not happy to see Tonio. Of course not. She is not happy. She insists that he depart. He must go because he's messing things up with this very advantageous marriage that she has arranged. Mm-hmm. And he says, very well, madam, but please, before I go, hear me out. And this is my favorite aria of the entire opera. Écoutez-moi, de grâce. That's one of those songs that you just feel. You see why that one's my favorite? Yeah. I, wow. You can just hum that one 
right now. So beautiful. I love that. I love that. I just melt for that one. And you know, I'm really a baritone girl. Yeah, I'm always surprised <laughs> by that. Okay, so he's saying, écoutez-moi de grâce. Listen yes, to me. Listen and what to is me. his What is his uh, cry? What is his... Well, he says, I'm, I only enlisted in the army because of my love for Marie. And I only succeeded because I had no fear, because I loved Marie. But I'd rather give up living than give up Marie. And I'm trembling in fear, but I come before you because I love Marie. And it's all about his love for Marie. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want to be thrown out. But he he has nothing more to do other than to plead his case with her. Yeah, because he doesn't have money and he doesn't have station. No, but Marquise is... She's devoted to Marie as well, and she's convinced that she's doing the right thing for her niece. Yeah. To... I mean, you can see her side. Absolutely. And he finishes this song that would bring a tear to anyone's eye and says, well, I can only hope that that love is not shared by the heiress of the Birkenfields. So she kind of regains her haughtiness. And Marie comes in and says, I am not ashamed of my regiment. It is in my heart. And the Marquise spins around to find her there and says, Well, Tonio, you must depart. You must go. And Tonio says, All right, I will leave, but I will speak my mind first. There's something you must know. My uncle, he knows your family, and he told me a secret which I promised to keep, but I will keep it no longer. Is everyone listening? Mm-hmm. Robert was not married to your sister because you do not have a sister. <gasps> That means Marie is not your niece. Marie is free. She is the daughter of the regiment. You have tricked Marie. She's the daughter of the regiment, so you have no claim on her. And the Marquis says, never, get out, get out, get out. And she makes him leave. He says, you're making this whole thing up. She's not your sister's daughter because you had no sister. And Sulpice, he starts leaving with Donio. And the Marquis turns to him and says, Sulpice, you stay. And Sulpice is nervous. She says, he doesn't want to have to talk to her. And she wants comfort. And, and she says, I have to tell you something, Sulpice. And she tells him everything. And I think you know yeah. you know what she's going to tell him, right? That I'm Marie's mother. Exactly. But she, she doesn't just blurt it out. That would be a very 20th, 21st century way to do it. She said, well, I met this young man, Robert, because I was 30 years old. My, my family had these unreasonably high standards of who I should marry. And so I never got married. Ah. And this officer was... Dashing. And he found me charming. And I followed him. And then there was this battle, and I went home, and I had to leave her behind. He's like, who did you leave behind? She's like, are you not listening? The baby. I had to leave the baby behind. He's like, oh, the baby. So when her father was killed and someone was transporting the baby to me. Mm-hmm. So, and then you know the rest of the story. Right. So it becomes clear that she is in fact Mary's mother. Mm-hmm. But she could never admit to that because that would mean All shame kinds of things. and social shame and disgrace on her to have been an unwed mother. Mm-hmm. And it would also mean that under no circumstance could Marie have 
a marriage of any kind of legitimacy or distinction. She certainly couldn't marry the nephew of a duchess. Right. She couldn't have a decent marriage. She couldn't inherit the land or the, the fortune of the Marquise. Of the Marquise. So she couldn't have any of these advantages that she could get if the Marquise is her aunt. Very interesting, right? Well, and so, of course, I'm going to ask the question, doesn't anybody catch on that the Marquise never actually had a sister? Apparently not. Okay, so that's just opera. Apparently not. We just put that under the file under bandanas and mustaches as disguises. <laughs> Apparently not. It was only uh, the uncle of Tonio who seemed to know this, who swore Tonio right. to secrecy. I see. And Tonio blurted it out in a moment of passion. Right. So enter Duchess of Crackenthorpe, mm-hmm. who says, I'm here. Let's let this all get... Let's and where's this. the bride, by the way? Where is she? We need to get things going. And bride is not coming down because she's not very happy about this whole thing, particularly now that she's seen Tonio again. And she's mm-hmm. thinking... Rekindled those flames. Right. She's thinking, this is kind of crazy. I'm getting to a married to a man I've never met or seen, and he's not even here on his wedding day. And finally, the Marquis says... So, Peace, you must go and tell her how important this is. And he says, can I tell her everything? She says no, and then finally she says yes. And ultimately what will happen is because Marie is such an obedient young woman, when she learns that it's her mother begging her to go through with this marriage, she obeys, and she goes down to sign. All the guests file in for the marriage, and that can be a comical scene right there, these crinkly old aristocrats right tottering in (laughs) for the marriage and they're getting ready the notaries got the papers all ready and this marriage is about to happen and we're thinking where's the groom and what happens when a disaster is impending and you need to be saved um the cavalry yay the army comes exactly (gasps) the army comes to rescue marie well, at least that's what they think they're doing. Sure, the army comes in for a rescue. And so with do they, Tonio in the lead. Do they basically just kidnap her? No. Oh. No, it's it's a comedy, remember? Oh, right, right, right. They come in and they want to rescue her. They're like, we can't let this happen. We can't let this happen. And there's loving words and looks between Tonio and Marie, but Marie remains dutiful. And, and after these loving glances are exchanged, she still walks towards the contract to sign. Antonio can't quite believe it, but but we've rescued you, Marie. Marie is dutiful. And as this is about to happen, her mother cracks. Her she mother, relents. Her mother, and this is where we get our happy ending. Her mother says, wait, I, I can't sacrifice you. I can't make you do this. I can't make you marry someone when you're clearly in love with this young man. And that's where we get our happy ending. Her mother changes her demands, requests, and decides to let her marry for love. Oh, well, I mean, she never married because she didn't find someone that she loved. So maybe that's not that surprising. Right. She says, no more pride. She may have the man her own heart chooses. And we end in a rousing song, not just for love, but hurrah for France. And remember I was saying that this was always... This was always performed on Bastille Day. It's a very patriotic 
song and sometimes it's sprinkled in with La Marseillaise or other patriotic songs in France. And so this was all part of the patriotic celebration with this regiment, hurrah for France, hurrah for France.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. We know that opera can be challenging. But everyone loves a good story. And a story set to music is even better. That's why our mission is to make Opera opera for for everyone. everyone.